Hey, what's up, Deacon? Uh, just wanted to give you a ring and let you know I uh, I just edited a podcast, and it's really good. Um, and I'd, I'd like for you to listen, obviously listen it through. But um, I think that we should actually use it tomorrow just because of how the podcast ends. And um, I know we talk a lot about priesthood, but it's specifically about priesthood. Um, just give it a listen and, you know, see if you want to put it up tomorrow. I don't know what you have planned for tomorrow, but it's a really good podcast. I enjoyed listening to it. Hi, right, man. Stay up. Three Dogs North is an attempt to objectify the subjective with little violence as possible. The following has been torn from its origins in space and time and put internally at your disposal. Going back to where you're talking about with that uh, call to priesthood mm-hmm. and the un the unworthiness of it, certainly that comes in. But actually, it's something since I've been here and really started to um, I don't know just pray through the intercession of and read her writings as Saint Therese that she actually says, you know, I want to be a saint, and I think her great quote is, I don't want to be a saint by halves. You know, I choose I choose all, um, and I think that is. I mean, it is, because that's the reality, you know, living into your vocation as a married man or a priest or whatever God um, calls you to, hopefully it's leading to sainthood in mm-hmm. heaven. You know, you're going to be, you're going to be a saint. Um, but that to me, especially, you know, you thinking, reading some of the great saints that there are, or, um, you know, you go through, to go through any of them that have put them you know, put themselves last, put others and God before themselves, and just getting to watch the canonizations of JP2 and John the 23rd, it's like, man, I am nowhere near that, nowhere near that, and just not worthy of it, but I think sometimes we forget um, in talking a lot about vocations especially, is that sainthood is where we need to be Mm -hmm. going, like that's our Well, and it's also a lot of the uh, argument for like women's ordination and stuff, misses this mark that uh, we're called to be saints that's what the that's the universal call of all right. baptized people is that you get to now be a saint which means that you get to live forever in heaven in the communion of Father Son and Holy Spirit you get to God became man so that man could become God man and women could become God that we share his divine life even now all the way into eternity we get to call God dad um what more do you want, you know? So the, the whole argument for, for women's ordination is like, well, you guys have all the power, and you're, you know, the elite ones, and, well, you know, why should the elite Christianity, I mean, I'm simplifying it and all that, and there's legitimate arguments that people make um, that need to be addressed, but for the most part, I think down at the base is like, it's an elevation of the priesthood as the goal mm-hmm. that, you know, God calls it to be saints, not to be priests. Mm-hmm. Not everybody in heaven is priest, and priesthood is at the service of the baptized, right. so that we, you know, we are instruments for getting everybody to heaven, so that they can be infinitely happy for eternity. You know, that's for everybody. The, pri- the priesthood is just an ingredient in that plan. Um, but when you make like being a saint, this is why I think in the 20th century, Pope John Paul was was big on canonizing lay people because. Mm-hmm. For the most part, 
in the you know proper of saints in the back of the breviary, it's all priests and nuns. Yeah. Because um, there for a long time, there's just you know sainthood is for them, uh, not so much for the average man or woman. Uh, and Vatican II is big on the universal call of holiness. That no, this is everybody's game here. If you're a carpenter, that's Saint Joseph the worker mm-hmm. today. If you're a carpenter, if you're a plumber, or a garbage man, or whatever, you're called to do that uh, with the love of Christ in your heart at all times. Um, the freedom to be generous and not to hang on to what you've been given, and that's the divine life in you. So, I don't know. If you miss that mark, there's a lot of things that go wrong. Yeah. And if you don't have an understanding of what the purpose of the church is, mm-hmm. and therefore what the purpose of the priest is, is, I think of it like a husband and a wife. The husband's job is to get his wife to heaven. Yeah. And the wife's job is to get his husband, her husband to heaven. And when you look at the priest as married to the church, his job is to get people to heaven. His job is to get members of his family to heaven. His spouse, his bride, the church, which is the mystical body, to heaven. And that's all that his job is for. And that means that he has been chosen to mediate the grace of God through the sacraments in a very specific way that is for his spouse, is for his people. And that only comes with a sacrificial role, just like it does in marriage. Is, And I think that's why the two are, are so very, very close. Because when you really do consider the spousal relationship, dads, dads have to be sacrificial victims for their spouses and for their children. And in that same way, so do priests need to be sacrificial victims for for the church. Well, you're getting there at the heart of, you know, priesthood. Why we would say there's a that difference between a Catholic priest and a, you know, any other type of pastor um, or minister or whatever. It's like they're doing great work oftentimes. And certainly there are a lot of times going back to the women ordination thing where um, women can be much more compassionate and relate yeah. in a very specific way. But the heart of the call to priesthood is to be, you know, to stand in that sacrifice, you know, as a priest, to stand in persona Christi, you know, in the Mass, and, and obviously through the sacraments as well, in confession um, especially. And that other stuff, and at least in my understanding, is secondary. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, you get to do these, you know, corporal works of mercy a lot as a priest, which are incredible, and you, you have the honor and the privilege to... Um, to lead, you know, a parish or whatever. If you're called to a you know a higher office in the church, a diocese, whatever that is. But still, as a priest, you are ordained to stand in as that sacrifice in persona Christi, the mass and the sacraments, and that's the heart of it. Yeah. You're not you are not you know doing just ministries all the time, as fulfilling as they can be. They're not enough. Yeah, you know, I would not. I would certainly not give up a family to be a minister. You know, because that's what it would be at that point. It would be like, well, I have to give this up. Yeah. Whereas the call of priesthood, that celibate call is, you know, I get to say yes to this in order to love better. Well, and you also have to be careful to clarify <laughs> that we're not saying that women can't stand in the person of Christ. True. Yeah. In a, any given situation where they're imaging Christ in a real way, even though. Jesus has a male body and they have a female body. That doesn't <clears throat> mean that they can't be Jesus to people, mm-hmm. you know, because they're part of the body of Christ just as much as a priest or any layman yeah. is. Um, but 
in the sacrament of holy orders, we're talking about something very specific, a relationship to the church that is as Christ is the bridegroom to his bride, the church. Um, that's, a, that's a prominent image in Paul. Um, and you see fulfilled on the cross that Jesus gives up his life. He, he opens his side, or his, he has his side open just as Adam did in the garden to create Eve. So Christ's side is opened up and the church is created. And there's all this marriage imagery throughout the scriptures that we used to support this practice, the, the discipline of the church, that only men are candidates for holy orders. But the primary, of course, reason we don't ordain women is because the, of the example of Christ, of right. the twelve apostles all being men. And whatever reasoning or rationality we can, we can put behind that can help buttress our confidence that this is God's will. But ultimately, we just trust in that. And, but when the priesthood is lived out well, uh, and guys aren't just like standoffish and a lot of cufflinks and you do this and I don't have to do that and nothing's too good for Father who gave up everything for the kingdom. That kind of clericalist attitude is what people rail against and mm-hmm. why people think like we could do this better mm-hmm. um, because we're not like that. We don't think that we're just better than everybody and that that the priesthood is you know some kind of license for ser- for everyone to serve you. Uh, because no, it's signing on signing on the dotted line to be everyone's slave. Uh, which, you know, only in Christ does that make any sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I think that that's an important thing to note that um, everybody is Jesus. Everybody everybody images Jesus when they're baptized. You're you're standing in for Him mm-hmm. wherever you go, uh, and whatever you say to somebody, it either can be. Uh, a closer image of who you are deep down as a transformed person or it can be you know sort of a, a bad like disfigured image of that if you're sinning yep. but, uh, that's a great clarification relax and it's also why like we don't have a problem with female ministers and other right. denominations because they don't have a sacramental idea that like this is actually a relationship that now uh, has totally left an indelible mark, has conditioned every other relationship in your life, to your parents, to your family, to any stranger on the street. Now, you are a priest to them. Uh, you don't clock out of it like you might if you were, you know, the youth minister at, you know, a megachurch or something. And like you said, they're doing good work, but it's not sacramental. It's mm-hmm. not, we're not saying, like in the Mass, it's not just Father whoever saying words over a piece of bread. It's Jesus Christ, you know, saying this for us, you know, that here is my body. I'm giving it up for you. Even now, it stretches all through through eternity. And, uh, well, I, I think you can see the, the biblical imagery in that, um, going all the way back to, to Genesis, is God spoke the world into being. Father Barron hits on this all the time, and it blew me away a couple of Sundays ago. But when God speaks, it's things are different. They change. His words actually change things from one thing to another. Mm-hmm. He speaks creation into existence. Therefore, when Christ speaks, I think it was the, the Sunday where uh, Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. He says, rise, 
and Lazarus rises. This is my body. I'm speaking this piece of bread into being as my body. Mm -hmm. This is now my body and this is my blood. And so when you bring that into... Or let there be light. Or let there be light, exactly. Um, And then there was. Let there be, and then there was. And it was good. And that's what the priest does when he's standing up there to celebrate Mass in Persona Christi. That's why he doesn't edit the words and make them the way he wants them to Because they're not his words. Exactly. If they were his words, it wouldn't mean Jack Dilly's squat. Mm -hmm. It would be a crazy person standing up there with a bread with a little... Who for some reason didn't get married. Yeah, a little munchy snack or whatever. Okay? But no, Christ is standing there and saying, this is my body or your sins are forgiven. That's Christ doing that. Okay? And the lowly priest is being used as an instrument, which is absolutely Mm mind-blowing. Absolutely mind-blowing. But that's what it is, is God is speaking, and therefore things are different. Things are actually changed. Their ontology is is different. Um, I think that's very, very important to remember, that God's words are not like anyone else's words. They are. What God says is, Mm -hmm. and that's it. And that's from the beginning of time until the end of time here on earth for eternity and forever. This is ultimately what, what makes us distinctively Catholic, mm-hmm. I think. The, the sacramental worldview, it means that a priest, is, this is, what you're just saying is, is as true as, like, for instance, I, you know, only men can be priests because of this fact that the priest up there is Jesus Christ saying these words at the Last Supper on the cross that Christ's sacrifice is really represented um, is it, it makes it so that it has to be a man it has to be this or that because um, it's the same as if we were to say to a woman like it's unfair that you get to be a mother and I don't mm-hmm. just because your body is you know has a uterus and you're fertile and able to bear life inside you that's unfair and I should be able to do it of course, that's absurd because what are you going to do? Change your body? It's That's who you are. That's who God made you to be. And There's no changing that. There's no getting a uterus as a man and becoming a mother. Good point. Um, I mean, unless you're Arnold Schwarzenegger in the movie Junior, which I don't know exactly how oh, that yeah. works. But, uh, <clears throat> mad scientists. Science. Ruining all, ruining all our apologetics. <laughs> uh, but you know what I'm saying? Like... The, we say the spiritual reality is is as and more real than the uh, the biological reality. The fact that a man, men are different than women, um, and that that reaches into the spiritual realm. Yeah. Uh, so just because you can't see that the sacrament is taking place does not mean that it isn't. And therefore, like, just put in anybody there. Why not just have a a lay person do it who's not ordained? You know. Um, because Jesus just said, do this in memory of me. He didn't say just you guys or, you know, but we re- we believe it's real. So yeah. I think this just reiterates our point on sainthood being the goal. Well, mm-hmm. in heaven, um, we are still going to be men and, and women, you know, we're not going right. to be some like formless. Wait, uh, I'm not going to be an angel. You will actually not be an angel. You might have wings. I don't know. But, what is uh, all of this for? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was hoping to be a tiny, fat baby on a cloud playing Dude. some kind of stringed instrument. An angel. Either a lute. I will also take harp. 
I would. I think I would prefer the harp, actually. But well, I already play guitar, so I think that I'd be good on the lute. <laughs> good call. Good call. That's what heaven's all about, man. <laughs> um, but it does, and so I think that discussion, in in a way, you know, the priesthood is such a sacred calling because God calls. It's not like any human value that we have put put on it. And he calls because he wants us all to be saints. And so for some reason that I still don't understand very well, he calls guys like us to get to do this work for our time on earth. This is my beloved Jabron. Yeah. Whom I'm well pleased. <laughs> yeah. And he's a Jabron. Because it doesn't Trust me. make sense. Like, it doesn't make sense. But I guess that's the gospel, man. Like, it didn't make sense who he chose for his apostles either. And, uh... He did it. Yeah, it really know? didn't, man. Those yeah. apostles, yeah. they were jabrones yeah. through and through. Total jabron through action. I'll oh, never man. deny you, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Dude. Uh, three times tonight. Yeah. <laughs> Check it out. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, it is crazy. But it is. And hey, I, mean, I got a cool idea. I saw Jesus raise uh, Lazarus from the dead and cure a bunch of people and forgive their sins, but why don't I sell his head for 30 pieces of silver? <laughs> yeah. Dude, yeah, he was a silver. real winner. Yeah. Listen, I'm buying dinner for a week. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm not totally sold on this Jesus guy. Yeah. <laughs> he raised Lazarus and did a bunch of cool miracles, but uh, I don't know. I'm hoping to get I'm some cash really out of it. Yeah. yeah it's... I'm not really impressed by it. I'm wanting to settle down, buy a house, you yeah. know, get a down payment. <laughs> yeah. But it is true, and, and that's why we can say that there is no... There is no value in the human creation of a vocation. And that's why guys come and discern at the seminary. Because you're trying to see if this is something that God has given you. Mm-hmm. You're not trying to create something that's not there. Right. And if, if you were creating this yourself, it would not have the value. Mm-hmm. It would be lacking in value. The only reason that it is good is because God created it so. Because God gave it to you. And that's it. And that's why no matter how hard we try to create a vocation, either for married life or for religious life, the the value will be lacking. It will be less than what it's supposed to be because God has given you something. That's okay. why guys who think like who think like this that the priesthood is the, you know, that's the apex of Christianity. If I want to be the best possible person, I have to go be a priest. Yeah. That doesn't work out a lot of times. Like if you if you're going to come to confidence in your call, to the priesthood, you have to, have to see the good in marriage and other states of life. Yeah. Um, otherwise, you'll just think like, oh, good thing I'm not married like these people. Otherwise, I'd be sinners and not as good. Yeah. And um, which I, is a total uh, baloney way of thinking, but um, it will ultimately, like, I feel like it's a, it's a super dangerous way to think because down the road, you will see how good marriage is and how holy... Uh, married couples are and I, I by the grace of God have a brother with five kids and I've seen how much they have to pour themselves out him oh, and his wife yeah. for these kids who are complete ingrates a lot of the time you know especially <laughs> when they're really little uh, they have no idea do what sacrifices they're making do they listen to the podcast? <laughs> the kids? Yeah. Maybe, yeah. if you're listening to kids <laughs> you'll grow out of it <laughs> Uncle Connor says sorry <laughs> when I was when I was in, at U of I and then when I worked for Focus, too, I, I heard that a lot, that, like, talks or whatever, and they would say, 
like, well, you know, priesthood is the higher calling, but, like, I just feel called to marriage or whatever. And I never understood that. Like, I remember even thinking as, like, a idiot college student that knew nothing, like, the first couple of times I heard that, because I heard it quite a few times that, like, priesthood for some reason is the higher calling Mm -hmm. between the two. And, like, I just, I can't get behind that because of that, like, you're trying to be a saint. And if that's mm-hmm. something God has given you, say yes to it. Because that's what's going to make you the most joyful and the most fulfilled mm-hmm. in this life. And it's the route he is asking you to take towards sainthood and also leading other people to sainthood. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's not... You can't think of it in terms of, like, what do I need to do in order that I can become a saint? Yeah. Like, it has to switch to how many people mm-hmm. can I get to heaven? you know, in this, in this life, but, and hopefully, I mean, uh, I hope that this is the case that when that happens, like a good discernment of marriage, that it, it goes way beyond the surface thing, which happens in most people that discern celibacy, like, well, I'm going to be lonely and I, I want to have sex and the, the sort of like mm-hmm. surface desires that you realize, um, you either want to have fulfilled or you're willing to not fulfill. Mm-hmm. Um, that it gets deeper to because what attracted me to the priesthood was the beauty of it, the beauty of this relationship to God and to His people, um, and sort of Him unveiling for me just how fulfilling that is to give yourself in love like this in this way, which is very specific as a priest, uh, and it's also very very specific in marriage. It gets down even to the person is like one among this yeah. many billion people. You choose one. And you pour your whole heart out for her and for the kids God gives you. Um, and so if you're you're like, oh man, I'm you know, so in love with this girl and she's so beautiful and uh, really just want to like sleep with her. And so I know I got to get married to do that. Um, that's not, it won't cut it because that's going to happen to you. You're going to, you know, fall in that kind of love with lots of people in mm-hmm. your life. Um who may be more beautiful, or you know, or more attractive and compelling and captivating, but no, you've cho- you've chosen to exclude all other options for this one option, to, in such a way that you'll promise before God and all His people that I will do this till I die. Mm-hmm. And um, if it's not the beauty of that, then uh, it's ultimately you're going to come to a point, and this happens in priesthood too, where it's like this isn't what I bargained for, God. The people are rejecting me, and they won't listen to my preaching, and nobody came on Christmas, and I'm all depressed, and look, here's this woman who's, you know, pretty good looking, and she seems to be into me, so I guess I'll just go leave the priesthood, which is such a Bush League way of thinking, but if you don't have the foundation of saying, like, no, this uh, this is conforming me more and more to Jesus Christ, and he's filling, filling, filling me with grace right now through this vocation, um... I don't know. It's just, we don't, our, well, culture, where, our culture's not good at cultivating that kind of freedom. Because, I was just going to say that, because that's where, in fact, that's where true freedom lies, is when you get to that, like the freedom that Francis Xavier had and Isaac Joe's, Jokes had to go take a nap before, you know, his potential martyrdom. Yeah. Um, because he was so conformed to Christ that it it didn't bother him what they were going to do to his body. And 
so to say in those moments when it might be really tough and you could be really discouraged, I'm sure that happens all the time in marriage too. You mm-hmm. know, you're um, married for 20 years and, you know, have five kids and mm-hmm. bills and things like that to pay. I'm sure it can get really old and really frustrating. Yeah. But it's then that you can choose it. And mm-hmm. that's a much, much deeper love, a love that's way more conformed to Christ on the cross than anything you're able to experience without that type of commitment, which yeah. is where real freedom is possible. Because the infatuation, you don't choose the infatuation. Not at all. Not at all. You're right. And love is always a choice. And, and that's, that's fleeting. It's very temporal. Yeah. It's very temporal. It's not going to amount for anything. I, I totally agree. When you're putting that actual choice in and giving yourself in that that free gift of self to another, not in like what you said, that instance of uh, using them in any way, like, oh, I want to sleep with you, mm-hmm. therefore I have to get married so that I can sleep with you. You're ultimately using that person. You're not yeah. loving them. You know, yeah. that's still, uh, you're seeking to fulfill some personal desire yeah. in there. But in, in even people who think like that, that... Um, that the misunderstanding of the priesthood that even itself is an end um, f- for its own good mm-hmm. is false. And the only way that you can understand priesthood properly is if you do understand the married life, is mm-hmm. if you do see how beautiful that is. Because that is the only thing that priesthood is there for, is for other people. Mm-hmm. And until you see what you're fighting for... So I think of, for example, I know you're going to love this, Connor... Um, Frodo from Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. Frodo is the priest analogy in there. He's the, the metaphor for priesthood. Okay, So he sees how beautiful the Shire is. And he sees his buddy Sam who wants to marry this gal back in the Shire. And he knows that if he doesn't go and give his life for this cause, that's not going to exist anymore. This beautiful thing called marriage and called the family, which is represented by the, the Shire, you know, this... Uh, kind of utopia type thing is not going to exist unless he lives out his priesthood and he has to die for that he has to die so that the rest of the people can live and that's all that the priesthood is is i exist so that my people can live so that the married life can exist that's what the priesthood is for and you're not going to give up your life unless you know how beautiful and how wonderful something is Mm -hmm. and so i think when you do have that experience of marriage and it's much deeper because guess what? When that temptation comes in your priesthood of, oh, hey, there's a beautiful girl and, oh, she's married, but I think she likes me and this mm-hmm. and that. What you're going to be able to do is say, okay, I exist so that her marriage can flourish. Mm-hmm. I don't exist so that I can, you know, please my, my own appetite or please her appetite here. No, way, way, way deeper than that. Mm-hmm. And much more of a gift of self of, I'm existing for this greater good here, which you may not even be able to see, but, you know, through prayer and a relationship with Christ, a profound relationship, I'm able to give up this thing that I really, really want, that I have passionate desires for, my concupiscent desires, because I do know how good this thing is. Mm -hmm. And that's the only way that I think we'll be able to live out our priesthood well. And the only way that married couples will also, you know, lay people will also love the priesthood Mm -hmm. is to see that relationship to them as well is they exist for us mm-hmm. and should be treated as such. So, yeah. Yeah. Word to your mother. I got to bounce like it's hot. Good cast. Dude, I, I love that. I thought it kind of sucked, but... Your part more. Yeah, yeah my yeah. part too. Yeah. yeah. 
Nice, nice, dude. You are in a great mood. Yeah. That was a terrible <laughs> podcast. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, very good, man. I gotta use the restroom. Me too. Yeah. I've been Wink. It. Wait, so you don't? Oh, gosh. What are winks for again? <laughs> are winks one eye or two eyes? That's blink. Blink. That was it. Yeah. Blink. That's what I was thinking. That's close. Mm-hmm. All right, Connor, next time I see you, you'll be a priest of Jesus Christ. Three Dogs North are Juice, Seabisc, and Michael Metz. Conversations have been edited to sound smarter. Audio and transcripts of this episode are exclusive property of Mundelein Seminary and may not be rebroadcast without the express written consent of Major League Baseball. the grizzly bear kept his incredibly beastly claws and monster teeth to himself. I'd probably prefer that. Yeah, and he certainly wouldn't win the fight against the silverback.